for me. Yeah. Chris, are you in New York? No, I'm in California, but I, I just like to go to bed. <laughs> but I stayed up because I, I go to bed early. <laughs> hey, sleep is important. Hey, everybody. Hey. Hey, hey. Hey, guys. Hey, Rohan, how are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. How are you? Thanks for, uh, thanks for hosting. Oh, thank you for joining us. I feel like every time we've had you on the show, it has been like a fairly remarkable, uh, you know, moment, and this is no different. So, thank you for having us. Thank you for joining us. Absolutely, no pressure. Uh, and hey, uh, Trevor. Trevor, what's up, guys? How are you? How are you? How are you? Thank you for joining us. I know it's, uh, where, uh, where are you right now? I, 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 I don't know whether you're in like uh, Pacific time zone. No, no, I am. I am um, up nice and early in Paris, France, right now came out to my best friend for fashion week or fashion show and uh now excited to be here okay that was a very good way to tell us how much cooler than you are than all of us so <laughs> thank you i'm, I'm definitely not at fashion week in paris I <laughs> but you're cool chris you're cool uh, uh you know one of the things i like about chris is you know i feel like chris's twitter persona has changed over the last few weeks he kind of went from not being really active to now he's just saying like GM and GN, you know, every day. I, I've been, I've been loving the seeing Chris's transformation. Yeah, old, and old talking about very, Twitter. very active, right. and talking about very active people on Twitter. Hey, Mark. <laughs> hey, 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 guys. Hey, Mark. Hey, good. Hey, welcome everybody. He, sure. Mark just tweeted about the show, so don't snark, don't be snarky. Uh, he used to do a lot better on Twitter, but then you know he's kind of just been boring. So I don't know. Uh, he can do yeah, I only tweet about your clubhouse show now. Thank you, thank you. Well, uh, Mark, <laughs> at this date, NGMI on Twitter, right? Not going to make it. All right. Uh, uh, we also, th- Paul. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, are you kidding me? Of course. <laughs> I'm so excited for this one. Uh, Paul, I, I, I want to ask you, like, when are we going to start building, you know, uh, some of these, like, Web3 lingo, GM, GN, you know, natively into Clubhouse? You press a button and, you know, we just kind of get it out there. I feel like, you know, that's like an underrated feature. <laughs> I thought you were going to ask me about building other crypto features in the Clubhouse, but this is not one that we think about too often. You'd be shocked to know. The native GM feature, nope. Well, I will now, uh, after the show, I'll talk to the uh, clubhouse person <laughs> in my household and put it on the list. All right. Now, now you know what it is like to live with this person. Uh, all right. Uh, should we get going? Yeah, let's get started. Three minutes in. All right. You folks know the drill. Live from San Francisco and here on Clubhouse, it's The Good Time Show, bringing you today in technology. And now your hosts, Artie and Sriram. Hey folks, welcome. Welcome to tonight's episode of The Good Time Show. If you're joining us for the first time, welcome. This is a show Shriram and I co-host about a couple times a week. Every week we've been doing this for a little over 10 months now and it's been a lot of fun. Uh, we've gotten a ton of feedback. Please keep them coming either through back channel or you know uh, Twitter, whichever place where you can find us. And uh, we've just learned a lot from every guest that comes on our show. And you know tonight our show is going to be really exciting. We generally tend to cover topics around uh, tech, startups, uh, culture, you know, movies, TV shows, all of that. And, uh, you know, tonight's going to be no exception. There's just a lot for us to go talk about. It's a really exciting room. Um, I see people are trickling in. So welcome. Welcome to the Good Time Show tonight. And with that, Shriram, who do we have tonight on the show? Oh, awesome. So thank you so much. Uh, we have a really, really exciting set of uh, folks on the show, some of whom I think you've seen in uh, days past. Uh, uh, we have, uh, you know, the uh, best person on Twitter, uh, Mark Andreessen. Uh, we have, uh, actually, wait, I'm sorry, the actual best person on crypto Twitter these days, uh, Chris Dixon. Uh, he's pretty much taken over, uh, you know, he does a lot of other things, I think, on investing, but I really think of him as a guy taking over Twitter. Uh, but no, Chris, you know, you know I think I, I, was, I was so honored when Chris decided to join the show way past his bedtime. So, Chris, thank you so much for joining us. <laughs> and if you're not following Chris, Especially after 6 p.m. Pacific on Twitter, you're missing out on quite the experience. Uh, Twitter should charge people for that stuff. Now, uh, we have two very, very uh, special guests with us today. And, uh, you know, and 
I'm going to give a brief intro, but then let them talk about themselves because they have very unique, interesting backgrounds and companies. And over the course of the show, we're going to talk about a really huge announcement that they had this week, uh, which we're really privileged uh, to kind of get them both on and talk to, uh, talk to us about it uh, tonight. And separately, and then we're going to go super deep into crypto. So we're going to start off with some basics for those of you who may be crypto curious. And then we're going to go super deep on all things DAOs and all things the future of how community can create content. And it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, but up first, we have uh, a person who's very familiar to a longtime listeners of the show, uh, Roham, the founder of Dapper Labs. Uh, you might know them as the creator of CryptoKitties, uh, Flow, uh, and definitely uh, NBA Top Shot. Roham, thank you so much for joining us. Roham, you're on mute. Absolutely. You know how this works. I'm excited to, uh, excited to be back. Thank you so much. And uh, we have another very, very uh, special guest, uh, you know, somebody who's a longtime friend, uh, Trevor McFedries. Uh, Trevor uh, is the founder of Brood, uh, which I think I'm going get to get into a little bit because I think you may know them as the creators of Lil Michaela, who almost need like no introduction. And before I get into the news this week, uh, Trevor, you have a, such a unique story and background for maybe, you know, the folks in the audience who are not familiar with Lil Michaela or, you know, your crypto. Tell us a little bit more about yourself, because I think your story from being a DJ to Lil Michaela to FWB is just super interesting. <laughs> uh, it is a, it's a, a bit strange, but I think a lot of it kind of is, is connected via, like, my passion for computers and uh, the desire to kind of create new things. And so, like, quite simply, software engineer, I, I kind of stumbled into music when I was 22. I was making beats for fun and ended up getting signed to Interscope. And, um, you know, really at the time when the, the Internet was eating the music business. And so I started getting pulled into Jimmy Iovine's office and others and trying to explain to them what MySpace was and how this stuff worked. And, you know, shortly after that, I kind of toured as a solo artist, as a DJ and producer and got to play, you know, festivals all over the world, which was awesome. But you know, I got to build software tools for myself and, you know, for other artists to try to connect with their community. You know, that's been a kind of a theme through my life as well. And then um, in 2010, 2011, I joined Spotify and was able to kind of bridge the gap between, you know, the, the engineers in, in Sweden, some of the artists in the States and, and abroad. And um, 2015 started Brud with this, with this thesis that, you know, we could create talent, celebrity that scales like software and really try to create these themes and these narratives that can kind of nudge the, the globe into being kind of more empathetic or tolerant. And that was really the dream. And we've always seen virtual economies as being a large part of that future. And, um, you know, I think COVID and, and Roham's good work really accelerate a lot of those things. And so I'm, I'm pretty excited to, uh, you know, keep pushing down this road with, uh, with Roham and the folks at Dapper. I love it. And by the way, uh, Trevor is, you know, very humble. Uh, go check out his Wikipedia page. You know, I actually recently was preparing for the show. It's blown away. So, uh, you know, he's, and that's a very humble version of such a fascinating <laughs> career. And Trevor, uh, you know, you kind of just quickly talked about Brad. Could you talk a little bit about what Brad did? Because I think you folks pioneered something very new in digital storytelling and character development. So talk to us about that. Talk to us about Michaela. Yeah, for those who aren't familiar, um, Michaela's been described as like a virtual celebrity or virtual influencer. You know, I really think what we do is, is kind of transmedia storytelling. But one of the things I really nerded out with, with Sriram early on was I've been really intrigued by an idea I call parafiction for a long time, this idea of telling fictional stories in places traditionally reserved for nonfiction and one of the best places to, to experience that is, is professional wrestling. Yes, right? yes. Uh, by the way, Mark, this is going to be a show all about WWE. I'm sorry I didn't tell you about that. Go on, Trevor. <laughs> I love this topic. Yeah, yeah. So this idea of kind of the, these rings that are traditionally reserved for, you know, boxing events or com competitive, uh, you know, martial arts stuff. And if you, um, you know, introduce this kind of like soap opera element to it, it kind of forces people to pause. And I think in a world where we're kind of infinitely scrolling, what we tried to do on, on social media was a lot of the same we created this, this fictional character, little Michaela, and told stories, you know, primarily on Instagram and eventually other social outlets. And you were so used to seeing lattes and people's lives unfold on, on Instagram to all of a sudden have this fictional narrative inserted. It was like no different than someone getting hit by a chair in the ring. And you're like, wait, was, was that – this part of it is real. Is that part – and I think, you know, that was actually kind of a, a fun little hack for us to capture attention and then try to insert these narratives that felt familiar, maybe kind of inherently transgressive, because the main the main character of our show 
was this kind of like virtual celebrity that in the narrative was this sentient robot, this teenage sentient robot navigating Los Angeles and, and trying to achieve their dreams. And so I think that part was, um, you know, a, a pretty exciting part. And then we began to kind of expand upon it and connect different layers of her narrative through, you know, songs on Spotify or music videos on YouTube or vlogs anywhere else. And, and I think through that kind of transmedia component, we're able to hopefully evolve what storytelling is. And we've seen people kind of expand upon it as well. It's been pretty cool. Uh, I love that. And uh, by the way, Trevor and I, I think, first met and bonded over all things WWE uh, and Kayfabe and all of that. And Lil Mackenzie is a great example of that. Okay, which uh, uh, brings me to this week. And, you know, um, it, maybe Trevor, I think I'll go to you. Uh, you and Roham, you know, had a big announcement this week. Could you tell us a little bit about what that was? <laughs> the big announcement is that um, Brub was acquired by Dapper Labs, and we're going to be working together to build the futures of the future of DAOs and, and, and community, and I think really try to like push this whole Web three thing as far as we can. Wow. Okay. Okay. So let's back up a bit. Okay, and maybe let's get like Roham in here. Uh, Roham, I'm curious. Like, how did this come about? Like, how did you? And Trevor meet up. How did this conversation start? Because I kind of think of thought of you folks as being over here, you know, building flow and then building NBA Top Shot. How did this wind up happening? Tell us the origin story. Yeah, I mean, uh, I guess one way to put it is I've been following Trevor on Twitter uh, uh, a lot longer than he's been following uh, me, and we've been following Lil Michaela since uh, since the very early days before Crypto Kitties, because you know we were very interested in sort of mixed mixed reality and sort of what is what does ownership look like that's sort of what led to the non-fungible token standard in in the first place and uh what does what do kind of digital characters or digital uh sort of uh what, what could digital life look like and you know we came at it a little bit more from sort of a platform perspective and and um but obviously looking at you know just just the, that, that whole thing, the future is already here. It's just not evenly distributed. And, and, and Michaela was kind of the future um, for, for and in and, and, and a lot of ways has kept uh, kind of leading the way. So been a big fan of the, the whole team for a long time, got to meet uh, and get to know the uh, the rest of the executive team recently as well. And as Wait, we're... Go into that. How did you folks wind up meeting? Um, well, I mean, I think originally... Um, our first uh, sort of tweet exchanges were about Top Shot back in the summer of 2020, right when we, uh, right when we launched uh, the, uh, the the product. But, um, but you know, I can't, I can't, I don't remember if we sort of crossed paths uh, in the in the sort of metaverse before uh, before then. Yeah, um, you know, I think we. I kind of joke with my team that like you know we'd probably we'd cross paths. I think there were a couple times where we did like some executive briefings or. There's actually a couple of times where I think we were we were fundraising at the same time. I remember being excited because like watching Roham leave a room made me feel pretty good. I'm like, yeah, those guys are they're still like pictures of cats on the internet. This should be a way easier pitch after those guys. So <laughs> we were I think we were both kind of doing crazy things, and so um, it's a long time coming. Uh, obviously, you know, we, uh, super thrilled to have you folks in the family. Um, so I guess I guess in some ways, you know. Talk to us about what this means. Uh, um, you know, for folks listening, yeah, um, and maybe Roham, I can go to you. Um, where do you see the future of, you know, Brud and Trevor uh, inside uh, um, Dapper? Because I think, you know, you folks are so known for flow, so known for top shots. You know, talk to us about, like, what this means. Yeah, I mean, look, da- top shot is, is known as a sports collectible uh, marketplace, but for... For people that are in Top Shot, you can tell it's a new kind of social network. It's a new kind of social network where what you own partially gives you access to new things, as well as uh, it's, it's kind of how you how you show off. And Top Shot is, you know, it's it's brought a million users to to Dapper, but um, it's now a minority of everything that happens on the Flow blockchain. We've got uh, more than four thousand developers building. We've got uh, about two and a half uh, million user accounts total, and so. You know, the more we see, then more and more we're seeing things that are different than sort of a collectibles marketplace, and going more and more in the direction of, hey, this is a social network that uh, is is kind of it's it's owned by the people that are contributing to it. This is a new model for creating uh, content, and you know, our team, to your point, has been very deep in NFTs. We started the, we wrote the first standard, we created CryptoKitties, we mm-hmm. we we brought Top Shot to market, we're bringing NFL and La Liga to market. Um, but Trevor and his team has kind of been leading the way on uh, decentralized storytelling and 
Trevor himself with Friends with Benefits, et cetera, and he can tell the story better than I can. But um, taking the essentially what we think of as it's not just a new category, it's more of a complementary uh, Lego block of the technology, um, whether it's through, you know decentralized organizations, DAOs as a, as a particular uh, piece, and, and then plugging it into um, NFTs as a, you know, all NFTs are is a, is a file format for ownership. And DAOs in a lot of ways kind of give context to, to ownership, context to uh, membership, um, and those kinds of uh, things that I think going to drive the next sort of uh, uh, frontier of adoption, and and uh, you know, the more we saw projects come up in the market, uh, I started talking to Trevor about uh, fundraise he was putting together um, to kind of make Brud into a decentralized organization, um, and it just made made so much sense to come and do it together, do it on Flow, um, because that's where we think the consumer applications of the future will be, and um, and and you know, just hit the ground running. Mm-hmm. And, and Trevor, I, I, you know, I, I think in a little bit we, we're going to talk a lot more about uh, DAOs. You're involved in obviously another, uh, you know, really interesting um, crypto community with FWB, which I also want to uh, talk about a little bit. But you know, just talk to us, and talk to us about what this means for say the next couple of years. You have Lil Michaela, an iconic uh, character. Like, you know, what does this mean? Like, how does the world of DAOs play here? What does it mean for the community to participate? Like, you know, talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, I could talk about this for hours, so I'll Let's try to be that. concise. <laughs> Don't be concise. Uh, um, so, I, I mean, A, there's a few different buckets. I mean, I think the, the macro theme, right, is that creative people, and I think creative organizations have had, um, you know, a lot of success in Web2, but have also had a lot of friction and a lot of challenges. I think, you know, they've seen a lot of the value they create captured by platforms. And we really saw ourselves as bred as like the Uber creator, right, where this organization of creative people trying to tell stories and build meaningful businesses. And it can be quite challenging at times. You know, there can be algorithm changes and people can kind of uh, move the cheese without your consent. So um, what we were trying to do was think about how we could continue to kind of own our audience and, and therefore own our destiny and think about how we could build up a future uh, of social and storytelling. And what became clear is that doing it as kind of a trad organization, as the kids say on crypto Twitter, uh, by the uh, way, I have to say, hold on. I, I need to tell you something. Um, I got to spend a bunch of time with Chris in person today, and now I'm just going to start using the word trad for everything. Chris, you just like ruined me now. Chris is an icon. Um, well, it's, uh, <laughs> I get it from I get it from the crypto Twitter crowd. So. As, as one aside, when my good. One of my good friends, Cooper Turley, is, is like a crypto native, which I remember we talked about like digital natives 10 years ago and having him, you know, we were trying to talk to him about a 401k once and he was like, you know, what's, what's the lockup on a 401k, you know, like, and he's just so crypto native that I think awesome. DeFi has kind of defined his whole reality. But all it is to say, um, you know, with us at Bright, we really saw ourselves as kind of this is Uber creator and we wanted to try to solve problems for creators. And, you know, one of the things we saw was that there are opportunities to, to kind of uh, you know capture more of that value and distribute that value not only to us as an organization but also to the fans are a huge part of what we do. Um, you know, some of you when I, when I first met you, I was working out of the Bad Robot office in Santa Monica, and you know I remember when when JJ and others were working on Star Wars, it kind of blew my mind that like Disney would call Star Wars fans to get answers to questions because fans had you know really a deeper knowledge than they did of the Star Wars universe, and it always felt crazy to me that those you know the audience effectively and the creators were siloed. And there were probably opportunities in Web3 to bring us all under one big tent and to capture value together. And so that was kind of like the, the, the start, how we started thinking about what we could do. Um, you know, as we started thinking about DAOs, um, obviously I had started a DAO called Parts of Benefits, which we can go into later. But, you know, I think the core we want to do is figure out how to bring everyone together under a big tent, you know, create things together, capture value together. And as a result, kind of redefine what it means to be a storytelling organization or a kind of like social organization. And in talking to Dapper, it was clear that there was an opportunity beyond even just creators and creative organizations that we could talk to kind of legacy kind of web two uh, companies and say, hey, you know, you've built an incredible product. Maybe you've had trouble monetizing as well, or maybe you're looking for like new innovative ways to, to uh, create value for yourself and for your customers. Maybe we could help you decentralize, introduce tokens and governance and all of these interesting ideas into what you do and really kind of like help you jump ahead into the future. This is actually a great segue. And Chris, I want to go to you here. Uh, obviously, I would say that over the last month or two, you've been writing a bunch of tweet storms about uh, you know, your take on Web 2 to Web 3. 
Um, and you had a tweet, Strum, about how, uh, you know, your margin is my opportunity and what that means in Web3. Um, talk to us a little bit about the idea of, I think, Trevor's idea of ownership. Um, yeah. What does the ownership and the community owning things mean in Web3 and why is it interesting? And then maybe explain to yeah. us, like, what is a DAO and why that matters? Yeah, sure. So it's a big topic, but um, I think, look, I think the basic kind of concept that we think about is that in in kind of the prior years of the web, like in Web 1, in sort of the 90s era of the web, um, there was this uh, very cool idea that um, it was governed by open protocols, that, that anyone who could build a, build a website, um, there was sort of this public, you know, commons upon which you could build websites and other kinds of interesting things. And then kind of the next 10 to 15 years we call Web 2, you know, the, the websites got much more advanced. You had Twitter and Facebook and Google and YouTube, and a lot of great things happened. Uh, they brought great services around the world. Um, people got, you know, lots of, you know, free access to the Internet, billions of people, et cetera, a lot of good things. But at the same time, you had kind of a massive concentration of money and control go to a very small set of people who create those companies. And this kind of Web3 movement we talk about is about kind of creating services that I think of as combining the best features of Web1 and Web2. So advanced functionality of Web2, kind of modern user experiences, but allowing those services to be only operated by the communities that use them. Um, and so like an obvious example is something like Ethereum, where a lot of the kind of Web3 activity happens. And Ethereum is this kind of public computer. I think Rohan is a great phrase. It's computer... Uh, what, what do you say, Rohan? It's uh, owned by owned by no one, but accessible to everyone. It's sort of this public computer that you can store things on. This is where NFTs are stored. This is where DAOs are created. These are where these new kind of services are created. Everyone, anyone who wants to, can go buy some ether and own a piece of it. it it's governed by the community. It's a, it's a it's a new kind of paradigm for community owned digital services. Um, so DAO specifically, and Trevor can talk more about this because he's the, you know, the one of the founders of one of the most interesting DAOs, in my view, Friends of Benefits. Um, DAOs are kind of organizations created on blockchains like Ethereum that unite communities, uh, you know, of people that maybe come together on a social network like Discord. But then they also have a balance sheet. They have money and they can do things. In the case of FWB, they build products. They have kind of this concept of seasons of like new kind of themes every so often and have a real mission. And so it's a group of people that come together in an internet native way. They have a mission and they have resources and they try to go and do things. So to me, it's sort of the modern version of the Delaware C Corp, which is now, you know, going on 200 years old. It was a great concept for the kind of railroad era and maybe the industrial era, but doesn't map to the internet in my view. And DAOs are kind of the internet native form of kind of the Delaware C Corp, but maybe, Trevor and Rohan, yeah. given that I've had those experts on here, I should pass them on. One of the great lines, I think, yeah. I, I think it might have been you or maybe Cooper uh -huh. who told me was, a, one of the, a DAO is like a, Reddit, a subreddit with a bank account, which all the kind yeah, of... Like, yeah, just, like, people say a Discord with a balance sheet is kind of, at least afraid of, yeah, something like that, yeah, for sure. Uh, so it's like, they now have resources. So it's like a, kind of an ad hoc community that gets together on the internet, but they have now have resources to do stuff. And, uh, Roham, um, you know, going to you, I think the Ethereum as a computer concept is interesting. I used to build virtual machines a long time ago. So, I, you know, when I saw that, the world computer part makes sense. But talk to us a little bit about that, because I think in some ways, when people think of crypto, and obviously the folks deep in crypto in the audience, uh, you know, uh, would probably know this already, but people kind of new to crypto, they think of it as money, but they don't maybe understand the Turing complete programmable nature of it. So talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then Dieter kind of has an expanded version. He says, a computer that, a public computer, so it's something that nobody controls, uh, that anybody can, everybody can trust, anybody can access, and nobody can censor, uh, block, or, or, or subvert. And I think all of those words are, are pretty important because, you know, as compared to private computers, which only the people that the owner of that computer chooses can access it. Um, that they can actually change anything on it at will at any time um, and have full visibility um, into sort of 
um, and, and have full control to kind of subvert and, uh, and, and block anything. So the, those properties lead to um, enabling a cryptocurrency like Bitcoin, right, which is a, um, a piece of software that anybody can access, everybody can trust, nobody can censor, nobody can block, nobody can subvert. Um, and, and what programmable blockchains do is allow you to code different kinds of, um, I mean, certainly different kinds of digital assets in the case of social tokens or NFTs, et cetera, um, but also different kinds of applications. And that's where, you know, social networks come in and, you know, Discord with a balance sheet is one way to think about it. Um, but you could also imagine things that are purely governance related or telling a shared story together. And it might end with the creation of value, um, or, or you sort of might have creation of value along the way, but um, eventually you can have simple decisions being made without middlemen using public software that is essentially public goods, like a park bench that anybody can use. This is a you know little decision-making app that anybody can use. Nobody has to pay for its maintenance. It's sort of maintained by the network. Anybody can pay the fees for, for using it. Um, anybody can provide computing power or storage um, or, or or others to the network and kind of make money or potentially provide services in the applications on top of the network, like curation and um, selection or, or in games even. Um, and so that that's kind of how I think about um, crypto. And in a sense, you know, whether it's a cryptocurrency or, or anything else is just another app. And, you know, the, 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 the interesting thing about a crypto app is that as a developer, you can kind of build on top of it without worrying about someone kicking you off. And, and, and that ultimately means more choice for customers. It means more um, uh, trust for customers. They don't have to worry about, um, you know, they're, they're, they're something they rely on uh, uh, getting blocked. Or, I mean, in general, they don't have to worry about being locked into something. If they choose, they can just pick up their toys, go inside a different application, and they don't have to start from scratch. They can kind of bring their... Um, you know, whether it's social networks or digital assets or um, payment methods or reputational history, et cetera. So that, that's kind of, I guess, the short version of uh, at least how I think about it. And, 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 you know, we're barely starting to kind of scratch the surface of, wait a second, if a developer can build on another developer's uh, piece of work without asking anyone's permission, well, a whole lot more developers are going to do that. And so you're starting to see such a huge movement coming from um, – sort of that Web 2 traditional world into Web 3 because in a weekend people can get up and running a piece of software that can you know process hundreds of millions of dollars of value without having to sign up for any accounts or open any bank accounts, incorporate any companies. Uh, it's really quite, quite amazing. Cool. That's awesome. That's, that, that's such a great explanation. Trevor, I had a question for you. You know, you're deeply involved, obviously, since the very beginning with FWB. Uh, for the people in the audience who either don't know or are crypto curious, as Shriram's been saying all day. <laughs> I like, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, that and trad are my new favorite phrases to use. <laughs> how, would you, how would you describe uh, Friends with Benefits? Yeah, so Friends with Benefits is, is a DAO. Um, you know, really, it's, it's, it's a Discord with a balance sheet, as I think Chris nailed. Um, and it was really started um, out of this idea. I mean, really, you know, candidly, it, it was started by myself really over a weekend using a lot of the Legos that, you know, Rohan and Shiro always have talked about. Um, and I started it because I had a lot of friends and kind of the culture and kind of creative communities who really saw crypto. I mean, it really is like this, like a, you know, the, the, the neck beard, Bitcoin maxi uh, with this kind of like narrow hyper-capitalist view of the world. And uh, frankly, they didn't really see themselves as kind of fitting in. And what I saw being built on these public computers were things that enabled this kind of more collectivist outcome for creative people. And so really what I wanted to prove was like a simple mechanic where it was like, hey, we can all come together and we can create value in a network that feels very different from someone who's using a, you know, a Substack or maybe a Twitch where you're on this treadmill of the, you're trying to get your fandom and, and your, your, your salaries are dependent on this output where mm -hmm. you can come and be a part of a network and create value uh, in that network together and then see the value of that network grow. And one of the ways that value was reflected, it was in a token price. And so what we did with SWB uh, in kind of the most simple terms is create a fixed amount of tokens. Let's say a million FWB tokens exist. Mm -hmm. And in order to be a part of this private discord that was gated, you needed to own 50 of these tokens. 
the simple idea for everyone that would join the network was as you created more value, there'd be more demand on that fixed supply of tokens, which would increase the price of those tokens, mm -hmm. which would mean you would see the value of your own tokens increase. And that was kind of like the simple side of hand I wanted to show people to say, hey, you can come and you can create value, you can be rewarded. And I think that yep. was really, yeah, go ahead with I was going to say, but that's super, sorry, I, I want to say that is super powerful right there because I think going to Chris's comment in a traditional centralized platform, um, if you use a central app, you're not going to, like, if that app succeeds, you're not going to have, like, financial benefits. But in this case, you're, you know, the members of your community are directly incentivized because, you know, if everybody does well, you know, they themselves do well. too. I think it's a super interesting point there. Yeah, and, you know, it's, it's one of those things that kind of blew my mind in DeFi summer. Uh, like a lot of folks, you know, we were all learning in real time. And I remember when, when Com Compound and other kind of like yield farming applications started coming together. I think I read somewhere, you know, and it kind of clicked for me. It was like, imagine if every time you bought or sold something on eBay, you got a share of eBay stock, you know, what that would mean for the users. And I think trying to apply that model to community is what I was thinking about when we were starting Friends with Benefits. And you know, as Top Shot kicked off, as NFTs kicked off, uh, you know, I had a lot of um, trad artist friends who wanted to figure mm -hmm. that out and to have a space where they could come and talk to, you know, Mike from Rainbow or Dennis from Mirror, people who were kind of carving out the, this this Web3 future. You know, Rohan was actually one of the earliest members as well, um, was a, a pretty exciting proposition for themselves and really for, for myself as well, selfishly wanting to grow the pie of this Web3, this Web3 thing. Um, so, uh, uh, by the way, I think there's another super interesting aspect, which I think whenever I talk to, you know, the folks in uh, my firm who go deep into crypto is folks like FWB and the crypto community, you don't need traditional marketing because your community is so incentivized to go spread the word, which I think is one of the other really interesting differences, uh, especially given like an old school boomer web to ad person, uh, you know, uh, like me. So, so Trevor, so what is this so typically when you think of ip right think harry potter the marvel cinematic universe you have this mental model of you know kevin fage goes in there makes all the decisions and then at the end of the day we see a movie what does community driven content mean who makes the decisions who decides what the storylines are or how the character looks like how does governance work like talk to us about that yeah and i think you cut out a bit for me so apologize my internet um, you know, a very simple model for thinking about how decisions are made at different creative organizations is you have kind of these brain trusts. Um, if you've ever read any of the Pixar books, you have these these groups or organizations, like many orgs inside of orgs of creative people who are trying to find out the best way to tell stories. And in our org, you know, that was um, people like Nicole, our team, you know, uh, Aaron Harvey, who's in the chat, uh, Jessica Curry, others. And we were constantly thinking about, you know, how Michaela's narrative trajectory would change. And the opportunity I think we saw with decentralized governance is, is is to bring in our community and to allow them to at first make very simple decisions. You know, hey, does Michaela go to Paris Fashion Week or Milan Fashion Week? Does she hang out with Tom or Sally? And allow the community to participate in that decision by using this thing called a governance token uh, to make their voice heard. And, and with that governance token, you can kind of expand upon the decisions they could make. You can imagine a world where they go from making a simple decision like that to actually, uh, you know, being a part of a of, of, of larger kind of creative arc decisions and eventually even producing media. Right. Um, wow. You could imagine a world where a Disney is saying, hey, we have this intellectual property, which, uh, you know, could be the Mickey Mouse uh, you know, character. We're going to share that IP as software. Um, I'm sure somewhere exists as kind of a. Um, a, a 3D file that could exist in Maya or Unreal Engine or whatever else. And we're going to, you know, throw up a proposal for a direction that a Mickey Mouse could take. The community will vote on that proposal. And then a production team kind of that's part of the community could take that, that decision and, and create it as a, you know, different media asset. You can have different teams competing to make the best version of that. And then the community would select the best version of that. And then you can imagine that piece of media existing for everyone to enjoy on the web but also be individually ownable as a non-fungible token. And if that were to sell, you could then distribute funds back to everyone who worked on that, the people that created the actual media, the people that concepted the idea, and you could probably distribute some of those funds to a treasury inside of that DAO to kind of maintain that community and to continue to see this media go forward. And so those are the kind of things that we were thinking about, decentralizing a Disney or a creative organization. Mm -hmm. um, it, it was really top of mind for us. And I think Flow is gonna enable a lot of that behavior in really, really cool ways. And so 
that's why we wanted to partner with Dapper and see it through. Uh, um, I, so this is kind of mind bending, and you know, honestly, I feel like well, I've only been uh, in this space for uh, a few months, and obviously not as deep as you folks, and I've sort of wrapped my mind around. If I could use a trad analogy, so to speak, uh, this is like a bunch of, let's say, Disney shareholders could actually go uh, decide, you know, what the next Marvel movie was going to be, maybe creative decisions about the characters, you know, uh, who the casting is, what plot points happen. um, And then at the end of it, when, you know, they make money back from the movie, they can actually make the money back themselves or decide what to do with the Disney bank account in terms of funding future projects. Is that like a, a rough sort of imprecise but kind of spiritually correct analogy? I think that is spiritually absolutely correct. Oh, yeah, I love it. All right, okay. Uh, I'm going to use trad analogies from now on. That's going to be my go-to <laughs> phrase. Um, uh, so uh, you've, going back to the announcement this week, um, Rohan and you announced something called, you're going to be running something called the Dapper Collective, uh, which you're going to be heading up. Like, what is that? Yeah, so we think collective organizations are the future. Um, and so Dapper Collectives is going to be figuring out how we can create collectives of people um, on, on Flow and enable them to do really special things. That could be creating kind of community DAOs like FWB. That could be building decentralized Disneys. Um, that could be taking traditional Web2 products and decentralizing them as well. And so all of those collectives of people are going to be powered by you know software, and, and hopefully we're going to help inspire on, on Flow. I love it. Okay, I want to talk more about Flow a little bit. Uh, this, I, by the way, I think the whole idea of like the community having reigns over the Marvel Cinematic Universe, for example, kind of like blows my mind. And I think that's what like this could enable. Um, Roham, um, two topics. One is like Flow has obviously been seeing a lot of interest and two topics in similar, particular which are really interesting to me is like one is like social tokens, and basically social, idea of social or community tokens. Talk to us about what you're seeing there, what the state of the union there is and where you see that headed. Well, social tokens, I think, um, are, are uh, we're seeing a lot of experimentation. I mean, a little bit uh, in uh, uh, with kind of music musicians and and uh, uh, other kinds of communities, and then also in the in the sports world in, in Europe. But I think we're 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 not yet. We haven't yet seen it kind of cross the the chasm, if that makes sense. And um, you know, there's the sort of messy uh, uh, currency and, and you know, people were, um, uh, or, or sorry, the uh, the PSG currency, which people speculated on in advance of the um, the Messi announcement. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, I think it's really important to kind of think about. Uh, by the way, the- for uh, for Mark over here, uh, Messi is a football player, and PSG <laughs> is Paris Saint Germain, one of the you know most famous football clubs in the world. Like Mark doesn't know any of this. We kind of have to keep him informed, bro. Uh, these, these are prominent wrestlers, right? Uh, 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 let's go with that. Let's go with that. Mark and Reason does not know who Leo Messi, Messi is. I want to see a headline there somewhere. Sorry, Rohan. Go no, on. no, and that, that, that's, uh, you know, we, the, one good thing about our products is because we take the best moments of every sport, you can kind of get to know all the players. So, so Mark, I'll, I'll get you into the La Liga uh, beta. We'll, we'll get you spun up in, in no time. This is, this is the product I need. Love it. Love it. Um, that's going to be a hard challenge, Roham. You have easier things to tackle, like, you know, uh, uh, that's going to be a hard challenge. I'll keep it on, like, you know, next year. Well, I mean, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Our, our job is, uh, is taking these things mainstream, so I, I like challenges. But, but look, I mean, in terms of social uh, tokens and, and, and DAOs, I mean, this is the reason we really wanted to, to partner up with Trevor because the, um, the important thing is to kind of think about what's, how do you get the customer value at the end of the day? And how do you create something that's not a barrier for people to get into, but but kind of an accelerant for for the community? And you know, we're we're seeing some uh, uh, interesting experimentation. I don't think we've announced. Um, that the, for example, there's a project that's more about uh, YouTube influencers, and and they're trying to give out social currency rather than sell anything to people, um, and then find sort of their fans by the people that end up kind of accumulating it and. And, you know, we're, we're really interested in kind of removing a little bit of the, you know, you, you, the speculative element is always important and, and drives growth. But how do you kind of um, get at kind of what drives uh, real, real user value? And, and that's what that's what we um, that's what we get really excited about. But in terms of, you know, individual projects or uh, DAOs, I mean, I think where um, Trevor was kind of 
going with it is, you know, we're, we're using internal IPs, whether it's Lil Michaela or when I mean, we have some really interesting ideas outside of kind of with current Dapper Labs IPs, we're using them as kind of demonstrations. But really the idea is to build tooling and, and open source platforms for lots of experimentation to happen because um, it's, you, you haven't, I don't think, I, I don't think you can say we've had the sort of top shot moment for um, social tokens or, um, or, or DAOs yet where, you know, you have, you know, a million people trying things and, and that's the kind of moment we want to create and, and we want to do it with third parties and, and, you know, people from, I mean, traditional web two companies, trad, trad companies, but also uh, just new communities that are coming up, whether, um, you know, it's projects like Lil Michaela or, or, or games that, you know, need guilds to kind of coordinate or groups of folks uh, coming together to buy particular assets or do particular trades. Um, you know, it's all kind of the same infrastructure, which is, hey, the to- using the token as a key to sort of vote on the decision that involves moving tokens around. Um, and so when you kind of boil it down to that primitive, you know, there's just um, uh, so much kind of uh, blue ocean to explore. Uh, I love it. Um, Chris, you know, I, I want to go to you because I think there have been a few tweet storms that you've written over the last couple of weeks that I think is worth delving deeper into. And one of the things I think which has me always interested in, like, how do one of these projects uh, take off and, uh, you know, get started? And I think one interesting theme you had was the Web3 playbook around using mm-hmm. token incentives to bootstrap networks as opposed to the Web2 playbook. Mark accused yeah. me of stealing people's thunder all the time, so I'm going to let you explain it so he doesn't yell at me. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, so I think you're talking about uh, one I did last week, I think, which was... Uh, about it's about this idea that you um so okay so stepping back so one of the most interesting kind of applications on the internet are networks so networks can be facebook can be ebay uber airbnb um a lot of the things that we really you know we find valuable are kind of networks upon the kind of base layer of the internet network um for people who've worked with those entrepreneurs who created networks as me and Mark and you, Sharam and others, Roham, and I'm sure a bunch of other people on this, on this uh, clubhouse have, it's a very difficult thing because at the beginning of a network, they're sort of the network effects work against you. So imagine like a dating site where nobody's on a dating site, like no one wants to go to a dating site where no one's there. At some point, you hit a kind of critical mass where there's a lot of people there and it's a lot better, you know, a better experience. And that's that's kind of when network effects kick in. Mm-hmm. But so so what when you kind of work with startups, there's always kind of this heroic process. Like at the beginning of Airbnb, they had, you know, I don't know what they had. Mark probably knows better. Like they were at the Democratic Convention. They had cereal boxes. And there's like all these kind of crazy things they have to do to kind of get initial traction to get over that that kind of network effect. And my belief is that because it's so hard to create a new network, there's a lot of networks that would be really valuable for the world that don't exist because no one has sort of figured out how to kind of get over that initial hump. And so one of the kind of genius things in Web3, I believe, is using tokens in the early stages of a network. Uh, Trevor alluded to this with Compound, I think one of the pioneers of it, where you kind of reward early users with tokens as a way to kind of incentivize the network early on when the kind of native network effects, as we call them, haven't kicked in. And so you kind of supplement them with these kind of token financial network effects. Really, this goes originally back to Bitcoin, which has, for those who are kind of deep in the space, has what are called minor rewards, which are given out to people that kind of run the Bitcoin network. Those rewards decrease over time and eventually sort of asymptotically go to zero over the next hundred years. Um, but that's sort of a way to kind of bootstrap the network, I guess. And so there's really cool examples of people using this mechanic in new ways. So one, one I, I like to highlight is, is called Helium. And Helium, I'll, I'll try to make this short because it's a long conversation, but Helium is trying to create kind of a competitor to Verizon and Sprint and T-Mobile and these kind of telecom companies uh, by incentivizing people at home to set up uh, hotspots, essentially, uh, to create a kind of grassroots telecom. This is a long-time dream in technology circles. I've had, I think, 100 conversations over the last 20 years with entrepreneurs wanting to do this. It's sort of a, you know, how can I take take on Verizon and 
kind of do to Verizon what Wikipedia did to encyclopedias or something and like make it kind of owned by the community. Um, the cool thing about Helium is because of these token rewards, they now have something like 200,000, I believe, mm -hmm. uh, hotspots around the country. It's growing. It's a six-month wait list. I'm trying to get one for myself. I have to wait six months. Like, it's massively popular system because they're kind of letting – think of it as, like, instead of all the money going to, the you know, the founders of the VCs, like, the money's going – like, it, the, the sort of future money is going to the people that build the network, mm -hmm. which is how it should be, like – you know, the, the first 10,000 drivers for Uber got probably, you know, they got paid, but they, they, they aren't, they didn't get paid. Like they didn't get to own part of the network. And in web three, you own, you, you, if you build a network, you get to own part of it. Like that's a cool idea. And it, it's, it's good for multiple reasons. It's, it's more fair, but it's also a better way to build networks because they're all fired up and they want to go build it. And instead of spending all this money on like Facebook ads, trying to recruit people, People hey, hey, like, hey, nothing wrong like with Facebook believers. ads. No, I, I Lay off, Chris. No, no, no. We love Facebook here. But, no, you know, yeah. but like it's like a, it's just a better way to do it anyway. So um, so that, that's, uh, that's, that, that's the, the theme of the kind of. Um, so you said a line in there, uh, which I think is really key, which is own a part of the network. And yep. uh, I think, you know, when you had recent tweets on this, um, you know, uh, certain technical advices to certain CEOs may not have loved <laughs> that. Um, no, I think one very. Oh I got, I got, I've never gotten so attacked. I like, wow, yeah, the web two guys, the people were really upset about that one. But anyways, go ahead. No, I love it. We, we, we forty minutes in, forty five minutes in the show. I can get to the really spicy stuff now. I love it. Um, so I think there's a very interesting connected theme though, because I think one of your other thesis is that uh, these networks, uh, um, actually, what Web three enables, especially around say tokens, but also NFTs. Yeah are filling in things that should have existed in HTTP and the internet. Yeah, and yeah. Maybe if our friend Mark here had done his job right, would have, but he didn't. Well, so Mark now ben, we kind of... Mark and ben but, talk, we talk about it all the time. In fact, I was gonna, the thing I'm working on now is... So Mark, Mark we, we literally talk about this like every day, but like we, I, I kind of call it the missing primitives. Like the missing things... And this is not like, look, these guys, Mark, I, I had no guy who was not part of it, but like Mark and Ben, they invented like JavaScript and cookies and image tags. So no, not. It was fine. It was reasonable. Could have done better. No, but, but, but the internet was missing, you know, error code 402 HTTP is missing payment. Like, uh, you know, future use, like the, the, the internet forgot payments. The internet forgot identity. The internet forgot a whole bunch of different things. Um, and that led us down, in my view, this kind of dystopian thing we live in now with like ads and, you know, algorithmic feeds and surveillance, web two companies. And had we had these primitives and had people been able to build like kind of native payments, native identity and a whole bunch of other things, which are now again, like, what we have now, like NFTs and all these amazing things that people are building today, I believe kind of fix the internet, frankly, and like let people go and build the way it should have been built. And I think, I, I think, and I hope that we will look back on it as like, it's, you know, like we're third, 25 years into it. Like it's a, it's going to be a multi thousand year process or something. And at the beginning we took a wrong turn and we're in this kind of shitty cul-de-sac of like web two. And now we're going to fix it. It's my view, as opposed to this idea that it's like this mature thing that's done and we all have to get despondent and have congressional hearings. Like, I think we should just try to fix the thing. Like we forgot some stuff, you know, and now we'll add it back and, technologists and entrepreneurs will do their thing and they'll build all this really awesome stuff. Uh, anyway, I'll stop uh, my speech now. That was brilliant. I love that. Uh, I love that. I was like thinking, Chris, I need to have Chris on the show. Mark, are you there? Yeah, no. I Look, I, I mean, like Chris said, we talk about this all the time. Yeah, I, yeah, I completely agree. Um, and yeah, I mean, look, we and we knew, we knew, like as Chris said, there was, there was an HTTP code for payment that never got implemented. Um, we actually, even before the web, there was uh, there was this whole group of people called the cypherpunks, um, and um, they actually figured, you know, they figured out a lot of this. They 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 had a lot of these ideas. Like, well, if you read the novel uh, Cryptonomicon, like a lot of these ideas are in there. That's from the nineties, and so like the, these ideas were known. Uh, the, the, sorry, not the ideas. The need was known. Um, mm -hmm. What we didn't have, we didn't have the technology. We didn't we didn't have the blockchain. We didn't have Bitcoin. We didn't have you know we didn't have the, all the all the web three primitives. Uh, but you know, to Chris's point, now we do, and so it's a. I think it's an it's an incredible time for reinvention of of a lot of things that we thought were settled issues. 
I love it. But Mark, if I remember, didn't projects like Ted Nelson, Zanadu have some of these? I think it had like payments in there. It had a few of the elements in there, but obviously, you no, know, never kind of got to the scale of the internet. Yeah, it was the same. It was it was the same idea. That the problem is payments in those days, like w- without an internet native currency, without an internet native trust system, right? Like transaction system, like you you basically were doomed to just work work with the existing credit card system and banking system. Um, and you know, people people have hacked their you know people have figured out ways to do that over 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 the years, and a lot of those things now are quite good. But like, you, you just like at the time, it was basically impossible. And I, I could go on for hours about what, what the discussions at the time were like with the financial institutions. It was just impossible. The yeah, the the real thing to do is to is to get to the real thing. The real thing to get to do is to purely native, uh, internet native uh, implementations of, uh, of these ideas, which which is what what we're finally doing now. I love that. Okay. Uh, I, I just want to, before we move yeah. on from the point, I just want to call it like, it's bigger than just payments because the other problem with the web is the client server architecture, right? Where software runs on these servers and sure, it's great. Millions of people can access it at the same time, but it runs behind a veil where, uh, the, you know, one person kind of holds the keys to, to, to the kingdom and crypto, like the, the, the payments is a part of it, but it's also the idea that I should be able to take my, uh, friend network from Facebook and log into Twitter and not have to sort of, um, you know, leave anything behind. It should be kind of in the customer's control where they take their identity. It, and and then I, I, so it's like ownership, it's identity. And I think it's also governance where, you know, eventually these should be systems that, you know, underpin voting because you can, any person can whip out their phone and, and verify it. Whereas how do you, you know, you could track every dollar of your tax spending um, from from sort of, the moment it leaves your account to the moment it, it, it hits, you know, wherever the, the eventual need is, and it's fully auditable. So it kind of goes, I think, multiple layers beyond uh, payments, but it, but it does, of course. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And, you know, I, I, I point out, like, the original Internet idea, like, if you go back to packet switching, you know, packet switching was this idea from the 1950s, and it was the idea of a peer-to-peer network. Um, you know, and then there was, and then there was, you know, TCP/IP was like the big implementation of packet switching. That was in the 1970s, right? And so, and then early, uh, what was it? Early email was with a system called UUCP, which was, uh, which was, you know, literally peer-to-peer, uh, basically uh, uh, message passing uh, for email. And so, so th- this is the foundational idea of the internet, like what what you what you just described. Like this is the foundational philosophy. And so, to some extent, anything that's not this is is you know is is basically uh, you know. Well, either a simplification or a hack. Um, but you know what what the internet wants very clearly is 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 for uh, it, you know is for exactly what you just described. Um, I love it. A uh, uh, bunch of trad protocols there, Mark. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, a lot of really smart people had this stuff figured out a long time ago. It's just like I said, we, without blockchain, we, you, you have like, we, look. We got the network part to work. We got the email to work. Like we got a lot of these things to work. Um, but yeah, we, we just, we needed a, we needed this, we needed this other, we needed this other thing. We needed this other basically layer and system for, for distributed trust, uh, and, and for, uh, for distributed transaction processing, uh, and for distributed, you know, and everything, you know, contracts and, 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 or, and, and organizations and all these things. Uh, and we just didn't have it then. And, and, and we have it now. Yeah. I, I love it. Uh, 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 okay. So Rohan, I want to uh, come to you. Um, you know, I think there's sort of one meme on, let's just say Twitter, which is, uh, you know, this kind of this meme of, hey, what are the sort of the real use cases, the real world applications of, you know, some of the technology? Uh, and I feel like sometimes I have to kind of like hold Chris Dixon from replying to some of those tweets and just restrain him. But you folks <laughs> are really interesting to me because you actually interact. I mean, you have deals with the NBA, obviously, um, and you've done so much with, uh, you know, uh, talk to us because I think you have something, you just mentioned uh, uh, something with La Liga and the NFL. So these are like real world franchises which tens of millions, if not more people really care about. Talk to us about your work with them because I think that really, uh, you know, solves for how how does this impact real people today? Yeah, for sure. I mean, we, we described Top Shot and, and La Liga, NFL, UFC. They're all going to be built on uh, sort of the same platform and, and give collectors the ability to kind of uh, easily move between sports. And, and, and that accounts for seasonality as well. But but we think of it more as the future of fandom than um, a well, as well as a collectibles marketplace and new asset class. Um, because the idea is that, you know, as opposed to a, uh, a, a set of cards that you have to leave at home or somewhere, you can take your digital collectibles anywhere with you. And so they become as much a sort of expression of 
um, uh, who you're a fan of, what team you're you're uh, you, you want to express, and um, and they're kind of the and there's ultimate transparency where you know with trading cards um, or any kind of physical collectible, um, you 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 actually don't know how many of that asset still exists uh, in the world. So um, it's become kind of a, um, a combination of you know for at the at the high end it's a better um, sort of sports collectible and you know, with a billion dollar um, kind of market cap. And then at the more accessible layer, it's a way for the average fan to kind of engage with the sport, engage with their favorite players, um, start with a $9 pack. That's all it costs to get an NFT, um, get a pack of three NFTs actually. Um, and, and you know, no transaction fees, no gas, anything like that. There's no, the word blockchain isn't anywhere in the user experience, the first user experience of NBA Top Shot. Um, but, but actually, that's interesting. Pack. Do you, how many, of your customers of NBA Top Shot, do you think actually know that there's a crypto element to this? Uh, well, you get it pretty. It's 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 you learn after you experience the benefit, right? Because but you know, ninety percent or so of users um, uh, are uh, use credit cards, um, and and so they they're kind of pre crypto uh, users. But we see, I mean, both anecdotally as well as. Um, um, now we're starting to track things back and forth between multiple blockchains. Lots of the NFT community on Ethereum started with um, Topshop, but they don't start by saying, oh, this is a basketball NFT. Say, oh, wait, this is like, I get the fun of pack opening, but I can do it right now. I don't have to order it online and wait for two weeks. I can open it right now. If I like the things, I can keep them. I can show them off on social media. I don't actually even have to take a take a picture. If I don't like them, I can list them for sale immediately. And it costs five cents to sell a one dollar thing. Um, it, it costs five dollars to sell a ten dollar thing, and, and I can do it um, almost instantly. And so they kind of really quickly understand. Wait a second, how does this work? Oh, because it's on blockchain. Oh, it's why, why is it transparent? I can see every single transaction from the beginning of time until now. Why is that? Oh, crypto. Oh, blockchain. Oh, this is interesting. So it's it's kind of a um, uh, it's it's sort of further down the funnel, if you will. And um, I mean, I've said this on. Already, we're gonna uh, essentially the bottom of the funnel is I withdraw it into a non-custodial wallet. I can fractionalize it. I can um, collateralize it. I can sort of use it to access the DeFi that's being built on Flow that wasn't ready, you know, a year ago. The, the non-custodial wallets, etc. And so, not all users will go down there. Just like you know, not all users um, even post actively on social media or Twitter, right? But but a certain class of users will, and they'll sort of access and new kinds of apps that they can uh, that they can get by kind of um, having having more of that decentralized mindset so it's it's we we really think of it as a funnel rather than a um, dichotomy and actually that's a big reason why we built flow blockchain because on ethereum it's very difficult to build a user experience that starts essentially custodial by saying hey I'll take care of everything for you but then it lets you kind of just take the keys to your own uh, to your own house, to your own car, um, and in a way that that sort of is is pretty smooth. So that's been a big uh, driver of kind of our uh, philosophy from the beginning. I love it. Okay, here's a really really serious question, Roham. Have you ever thought of gifting Mark a pack, and if so, what would you gift him? Um, well, it sounds like a messy pack is a good place to start because you know. Yeah, you might need to tell him who he is first. So maybe send him a YouTube link first or something. Okay. <laughs> So Trevor, you know, last question, I'm going to go to you. Um, you know, in some ways, I think you've been at sort of the, you know, the forefront of so much of internet culture and online community. A um, couple of questions. One is for people listening, um, you know, obviously friends with benefits, but, you know, what are interesting communities that you think they could go check out and just get a sense of where this world of crypto and DAOs and communities are headed um, you know, with two or three examples. And the second is like, where do you just see all of this headed? Like, where do you think this world of DAOs, communities, you know, the community collectively making decisions, where do you see this all going over the next few years? Oh, it's such a great question. Um, you know, I think crypto Twitter really reminds me of some of my favorite days on the internet, even kind of like the good morning culture. Like if people aren't familiar, people typing GM uh, over and over to, the, to, to their friends or... Um, hey, I come from you know, India. That's what my all of my WhatsApp is about every single day. <laughs> That's brilliant. Um, you know, I also think there's some really special NFT communities. Obviously, Top Shot's been incredible. I spent a lot of time in kind of like telegrams and WhatsApp groups talking about uh, Top Shot. Um, I've been impressed with the Cryptodes 
community, um, the, the vibe, uh, anthem, and you know, one toad equals one toad. I think kind of removing and decoupling the kind of financial part of this stuff, at least um, at the high levels, is cool to me. I've also been really impressed with like you know the flow community, and one of the reasons I'm so excited to join Dapper is to kind of like help kickstart this Flowverse stuff. And if, if you're not paying attention, it, it's Flow Fest right now. I, I retweeted a link to a YouTube course uh, on Cadence. I'm going to be stepping up my, my Cadence game so I can be building alongside everyone else here. And if you want to do that, you know, on my Twitter, what.cd, I've, um, you know, retweeted a great link to a course. And so I would say get in the Flowverse, flowverse.com, check out Flowfest, and um, follow me, and we can learn to write some cadence together. I, I, I love it. Uh, okay, and okay, and then, Chris, for folks in Web2 who want to get into Web3, what do you want them to do? <laughs> oh, yeah, we just, I just tweeted out a uh, I know. This is a softball, Chris. This is a softball right here. Come on. So we have an email address, and we're creating a website. It'll be for your transition from Web 2 to Web 3. We have educational resources and job listings. and We have, I think, probably hundreds, maybe thousands of jobs in our portfolio hiring for Web 3. So if your boss is, uh, you know, mocking all of this new stuff and you want to do the new thing, like we're going to, we're going to have a lot of choices for you. So I love that. I love that whole yeah. boss metaphor you folks. Have what if, there. what if, but, but Chris, what if the technical assistant to your boss is mocking it? Does that, does that also apply? I think the technical assistant, the, the Microsoft CEO has a pretty good track record. Not maybe, I don't know, Mark. What hey, you know we have Steven Tinovsky here listening. <laughs> sorry, Steven. Steve, poor Steven. Steven's like, come bomber, on. The bomber iPhone video. They, this guy is, I don't know. Uh, oh, the previous, right, okay, okay, okay. The previous technical I, assistant was fantastic. I, it's unclear right, what the uh, okay, both of you planning right, is going. Both of you, okay, okay. I, I need to. All right, before I get into trouble, thank you. All right, I need to mute both of these two. Can't stop them. Uh, all right. On that note, uh, just ignore everything you heard for the last forty-five seconds. Um, uh, I just want to say seriously, though, uh, I want to thank everybody uh, listening in at this super late hour. I got so many amazing texts and DMs and thoughts. Uh, I see you and so many others, you know, uh, just really love it. There's so much love and affection for so many of our guests, which brings me to thank you to everybody, to uh, Mark, uh, to Chris for always keeping it spicy. Um, and but mostly to Roham and Trevor, uh, congratulations on you know obviously a fantastic moment this week. Where you know I'm a customer, I'm a fan, uh, you know I'm a part of the community in a small way, and I'm just really really excited for what you folks are uh, you know are coming up with ahead. So thank you so so much for joining us. So Trevor, I, you know that we have a tradition on the show that where we try and play a song which matches the show, and obviously given you know uh, you're a professional, right? What song do you have for us today? Uh, I wanted to pick uh, Thomas Bangalter of Daft Punk fame and uh, DJ Falcons together. Because we're all in this together, building the future, baby. There we go. We're all in this together. WGMI. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Rohan, uh, Trevor. Thanks. A time has come to make Thanks. a decision. So much for we're hiring. Are, are we in this thing alone? Good night. Or are we in it together? Good night, everybody. Bye-bye.